Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Listen, Jesus is the answer. That's what keeps me so excited, that Jesus is the answer. So, uh, Paul the Apostle was addressing to his son in the faith, once again, and that was his, uh, the man called Timothy. Timothy was a tremendous man. He grew up under a tremendous mother and grandmother who, by which he acquired his faith. Now, Timothy's father himself was not of the faith. He was a philosopher. He was, uh, nothing wrong with it, but he was Grecian. He was a Greek, and he grew up under the philosophy, under theory. But his mother got born again, and grandmother got born again. And Paul came along and said, I perceive that the same faith that's in your grandmother and your mother is now in you. So the Apostle Paul, not putting a slide on the father, but just said, I recognize the faith. The faith came from grandma and from mom. Your children will always get the faith from somewhere. So not the churchism, not religion, faith. Faith is what we need to pass on. Faith is what we need to present. Faith is what the greatest inheritance you could ever give anybody. So Paul addressed that, and then he comes into Timothy's life in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm just going to read that one verse, King James Version. says this, This know also, this know also. So the word also is connected to what we know of chapter 2. Also remember this, that in the original text, there were no chapters, there were no verses, it was a straight writing. If you've ever written a letter, possibly at the top or the bottom of a page, you may have put page one or page two. Unless it's a legal document, they're not lined out, one, two, three, point A, point four, A, B, C, you don't have any of that. In a regular letter, when you're writing a letter, you just write it, hello or dear or whatever the person's name is, and then you just write. And, and then you don't put chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. You don't, you don't do that. So in this setting, we realize they didn't. So the word also is referencing point like an anchor connecting and yanking down to this statement, what he said uh, in the prior verses. So in 3, he said, Know this also that in the last days, and he said, perilous times shall come. Now this is a very powerful indication of Paul's stability, Paul's life, Paul's strength, Paul's commitment, Paul's ability to stand steadfast in the midst of all the challenges. It's so important that we understand this. The Apostle Paul made the statement in writing. He said, listen, do you want to know how many things I've gone through? And he begins to list some things in 2 Corinthians. And he says this, and I went through perilous times. Man, I was shipwrecked. I got beaten up. I was robbed. I was uh, stripped, I was beaten up, I was hungry, I got bit by snakes, uh, animals were coming at me. And then he said, I even got messed up and turned in by false brethren. That's right. Now listen to the word, brethren, but he said they were false. They appeared to be right to everybody else, but their actions and their attitudes and the way they perceived it were turned on Paul and it came back to Paul. Paul understood, these are false brethren and they're coming against me. And then he said this, and then above all the things, he lists a, a bunch of stuff in there. And he makes this reference. He said, but, and, I, and above all this, the care of the church. The greatest thing he ever had was the care of the church. He was the apostle to the church. 
Now listen, I don't care how solid you are in the gospel. I don't care how old you are in the gospel. You must honor the leader that gave birth to the ministry by which you're attending right now. If you're, if you're going to a church as a pastor, you may be the strongest Greek scholar there is, the Hebrew scholar, but if you're not anointed to pastor that sheep, yield yourself to that calling. Listen, it's going to help you in perilous times. What you don't want to do is gather a bunch of sheep and gather a bunch of individuals out of that church and make yourself their teacher. You, you don't want to do that. Perilous times require strong pastoral gifting. It requires us as ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to keep on preaching. And guess what? Do it with a smile and do it with enthusiasm, with no regret and no hesitation and just as strong as we could possibly be. So perilous times are coming. Matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, let me read this out of the message translation to you. It's, it's very important. It said, don't be naive. Don't, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead as the end approaches. So there's going to be difficult times. However, he's, he's warning you. He said, look it, they're coming. But the reason I preached to you before is to strengthen you in your inner man, to give you confidence, to give you hope, to give you words of life. And so you could do what you're going to do. You know, just today in, in, uh, tra in traveling and coming back, I noticed some big trucks and, and I noticed they're putting all these cones out on the street and I noticed what they're doing and I recognize they're going to dig up the street and they're going to resurface it and they're going to re-blacktop the whole thing, the street, and they're going layer by layer, portion by portion, and they're going to be doing that. Why? To get, make the road smooth, to get rid of all the pot. And so the, the trucks and the signs were all indicators something was approaching. Now, if you travel that road, do you know what that means? Expect delays. Expect challenges. So what does that tell you? If you don't want to expect delays, then follow the detours and go around so you get to it. But the detour should not take you in another direction and hinder you from where you're going. No detour will ever do that. The Spirit of God may speak to you, say perilous times are coming. So halt right there, stop, and wait 10 minutes, wait an hour, wait a day, wait five days, wait 10 days, wait a month, and don't go that route, and then go this way. But it will never stop you from achieving where God is sending you. God, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you. Now, these plans are not to hurt you. They're not, they will not lead you into perilous moments. You're going to face them. There are people at the other end of your perilous moment. There are challenges at the other end, and your disobedience could create a perilous moment. But remember this, God is not the author of any peril. God did not create your challenge. Oh man, there's so much teaching about that. But if you're a good parent, you would never create a challenge that would whip, defeat, crush your child. And they say, ah, just kidding, just seeing to see if I could toughen you up. No, that's not how it works. Be, don't be naive. There are difficult times. First, 2 Timothy 3, 1 in the message says, don't be naive. These, there, there are difficult times ahead of us. So they're coming. So now that you know that, hey, cheer up. Listen, here's what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. He said, listen, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, you're going to have challenges. In this world, you're going to have financial woes. In this world, you're going to have 
situations with your natural body. In this world, your mind's going to feel like shutting down. In this world, you may not be comfortable with certain things. In this world, people may lie about you. People may cheat about you. People may say things about you. People may slander you. People may ridicule you. People may, may lie about you. People may, behind your back, slander you and talk about you. And then to your face, smile at you. Well, you know, they're so accustomed to that. However, remember, I defeated the world. So be of good cheer. That's what Jesus said. So be of good cheer. So let me help you. Let me give you a good word today. Be of good cheer. In perilous moments, be of good cheer. Jesus already overcame the world. Do you know what that means to me? Jesus is the answer. Now look close to me. Jesus is the answer. That's right. Now listen to me. Not the government. Not the president, not the Congress, not the Senate, not the Supreme Court, not your stimulus check, not, not any of that, not your payroll check. That's not the answer. Not your governor, not your mayor, not the city council. They're not, they're, they're, they are not the answer. Jesus is the answer for this whole world today. And if you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you already accepted the answer. All we need to do is allow him to minister to us. Let me give you one last verse of scripture, a translation in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.1. And this is in the Amplified. It said this, but understand this. So understand this. Get an understanding that in the last days will come or set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and sometimes hard to bear. Wow, can you imagine that? That there's coming on this, on this planet, on this time, hard times. Now, when he made that statement to Timothy, Timothy was going through some challenges. I know it may not, may not mean much to you, but he was a leader in his church. He pastored the church. And do you know that some of the members of the church uh, were ridiculing him? They did not accept him. They came, but they didn't accept him because of his youth. They said he was too young to pastor them. And they were elderly, and uh, they were statesmen, they thought, of the church. And so they thought, this man's too young, what can he teach us? Now, according to the Hebrew law, you became a man when you were 30. When you turned 50, that's when they classified you as some, somebody who was qualified in life itself to say something. But when you're anointed of Almighty God, and you are called of Almighty God, and the gifting is in you, and the revelation of God gets in you, then you speak boldly. And you speak with confidence and you speak with the almighty force of almighty God. And you open up and you say out of the abundance of your heart and with, out of your mouth flows this revelation. And it confounds the wise. That's what Jesus said. God has chosen the foolish things. Not fools. He chose the foolish things to confound the wise. In perilous moments, there are going to be people that will rise up who will be speaking truth in the midst of all this. And those people speaking truth will live like these moments of perilous times aren't even affecting them. Man, just You ever hear people say, when a little child comes up and punches, oh, that, like a little fly came by, like a little fly. And, and so we, we get that way. Well, that's what Satan comes in. When he comes up, we got to say, oh, I feel like a little buzz coming around me. It ain't much. Listen, you want to deal with me? Deal with the God who saved me. Deal with Jesus Christ. So in the last days, perilous days will come. What does that mean? Well, the word perilous means savage in nature. Now listen to that word, savage in nature. That, that's what that means. 
that, that terminology. And it's found, this word perilous is found two times in Scripture, just two times in this phrase, in the Hebrew and the Greek. It's only found two times to describe this. And there are other terms for it, but in this term, perilous times, where Paul is addressing in the Hebrew and the Greek. I'm not talking about the Webster's Dictionary. I'm talking about Bible terminology. The Bible says in the perilous time, perilous is used in Matthew chapter 8. And when he uses it in Matthew chapter 8, it's in verse 28, fact check me if you want, Matthew 8, 28, two men who were demonized, who were full of the devil. The Bible uses the same phrase of savagery or torture and perilous moments. And what he uses is these men were ripping up and scaring the individuals. That's what this means today. Let me help you here. Perilous times are upon us. S savage in nature. And let me, do you ever look out in the street today and see people that say they're for peace? How do, can you be for peace and destroy a building? How can you be for peace and shoot somebody because they don't agree with you? How can you say you're for peace and you're walking in love and you want a certain thing to occur when you're destroying uh, our, our nation and you don't honor the nation that God gave you? How can you say you're at peace when, when you are destroying humanity, when you mock people, when you burn our flag, when you say you hate this nation, when you hate the police, when God ordained them, when you, the firemen, when God ordained them, our military, when God ordained them. Anything you're against that is God ordained, the ordination of that was against you. You're touching on ter territory you don't want. When you make yourself up to be your own God, may I remind you what happened to Herod when he said, I am God. Uh, I remember um, my man of God at the time before his passing, many, many years ago, Dr. Ed Dufresne taught a message and said, when this man made that statement, the scripture says that the worms came and ate him. And he taught a message, the worms are coming because too many people are making themselves their own God. And we cannot allow that. Scripture forbids us to do that. Matter of fact, listen to this verse scripture. Let me, before I go any further with that, that brought me to this. Let me jump up to this. Uh, it's not in this, you're not going to see the text there. 2 Timothy chapter 2.25 says, In meekness, instruct those who oppose themselves. Listen, there are individuals right now, and you might be one of them, that you think you're so high-minded and you can't, and that you've got it all. Oh, that pastor art, I know more than him. Maybe you do, but it doesn't mean you have to brag about it. I'm the first to tell you, I'm, I'm surrounded in our church by some well, well-learned people who know the scriptures, man, and I'm just in shock and amazed at how awesome they are. I know some wonderful ministers. When I sit around ministers and they're teaching, I don't try to compete with them. I don't sit there and wonder, hey, I could teach that scripture better than them. I've never done that. When I have ministers in our gospel, regardless of who they are, I sit almost at the edge of my seat. Sometimes I wish I could drag my chair up to the podium and just sit right next to them and hear the word of God. I love the word. I love the, I love the word. I'm not in love with the vessel as much as I am with the word. And I love the word of God. So he says they oppose themselves. And if God preventure will give them repentance. Now listen. So repentance is at the end of it. Listen to this. Not an apology. And not an I'm, a so, I'm so sorry I did this. And no, the Bible says repent. Didn't say apologize. Said repent. Most people, Christians today, do not know how to repent. You know why? Because you have to admit you're wrong. 
And that is, that is defeating your flesh, defeating your own thought life, your own ways. When you repent, you say no to you, no to your mind. And we've got to do that. You've got to beat yourself, Paul said, under submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that? By taking your flesh and telling it you're not going to have your way. And you tell your mind, I'm not going to think those thoughts contrary. And to the, listen to this, to the acknowledgement of the truth. That's how you repent. Acknowledge the truth. Then he says this, that they may recover themselves. See, a lot of people get in line, pray for me that I, that I may be recovered. No, recover yourself, the Bible said. Learn to recover yourself. How? Get the knowledge of the truth. And then he said this, for out of the snare of the devil, who've been taken captive. Listen to this. This is a tragic verse. This is a, a, a scripture of revelation. Church, listen up. He says, they've been they recovered themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his own will. At his own will. There are some people who just will to be, they just will to be angry. They just will to be arrogant. They just will to be sarcastic. They just will to be judgmental. They just will to be gossipers. They just will to be whisperers. Whispering divides and destroys nations. There are people that laugh and mock in their living room, not knowing God hears that, not knowing their angel hears that. God forbid that. You know why I forgive people? Not because they ask for it, not because they need it. Because I need to forgive so that I can continue with the benefit of Almighty God. I do not sleep with somebody else's offense. Uh-uh, I don't do that. I will not make somebody's challenge towards my life become my sleeping partner. No, no, no. That's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to have that. So he makes references. So perilous times. What does that mean? It, the, the word perilous times and days. It means a generation. That's number one. A generation. They're perilous generations. Oh, my God. Listen, we as parents have a duty to never gossip in front of our children, whether they're five, whether they're 15, or whether they're 50, or whether, whether they're, they're in their 60s, whether they're married, not married, whether they have children, don't have children, whether they're not enough to marry and they're still in school. We should never gossip in front of anybody, ever. Generations need us. The Bible tells us that when the upright are doing what they're supposed to do, that one generation shall speak to the other generation to bring the glory of God. The generation is speaking. It's not enough that they just put their hands to heaven in church, but if they come home and then they laugh about the relatives, laugh about the preacher, laugh about somebody at church, laugh how somebody prays in the Spirit, laughs how they fell out in the Spirit, laughs how they act in the Holy Ghost. You know, the, these are mockeries. We got to guard ourselves. We got to watch ourselves. How dare you mock somebody else's act towards God? What would you have done? Listen close. Do you ever stop to think about this? The children of Israel. That was one of the most, in the natural aspects of it, seemingly the most ridiculous plan of military action there ever could. To expose yourself out in public, walk around while they're all positioned around the walls, and march six times and never say a word. March behind each other in a line of formation and just keep on walking. Millions of people doing this. Didn't that sound ridiculous? And then listen to this. They did that expecting the walls to fall. They were doing that before the walls. Now listen. Then the seventh day, shout. Not shout at the wall. Shout because it's coming down. 
and they shouted. And they didn't shout, wall fell. They just shouted unto God. And when they shouted unto God, the walls collapsed. Man, that is so awesome. But now, from a backside, if you were on the backside, hey, that's ridiculous. Look at those people over there. Look at what they're doing marching around. Who do they think they are? Listen, those are soldiers. They're just walking around. What is wrong with them? Listen, do you realize that David's brother even mocked him because he wanted to kill Goliath? What are you doing here? Are you mad? Are you trying to put, it, put us to shame? We know you and every soldier here knows us. Get out of here, you little child. Get out of here. And he was the only man that killed a Goliath. He was the only man that day that stood up before Almighty God and said, how dare you come against the God of Israel? How dare you come against our God? You come against me with your, with your sword. You come against me with your armor. You come against me with your armor, with your soldiers. You come against me with your shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord, my God. Whoo, glory be to God. What a powerful time. Now, wouldn't you say that was a perilous moment at that time? Well, perilous times are coming. Generations, dispensations, different dispensations. We're living right now. It's what's known as a dispensation of grace. <coughs> and so we're in it right now. Faith and grace is in operation right now. Also, the church age. Now, the church age is so supposed to be alive. And in perilous moments, God should be using the church age not to hide, not to complain. The church should be alive right now. So when the world and the people, even carnal Christians or just mere churchgoers, say, I don't know what we're going to do. What do you think we should do? How do you think we're going to fare? Listen, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to stand steadfast. The word times means seasons. You know what happens with seasons in the natural? We have our natural four seasons. One season gives way to the next season. Seasons are temporary. Seasons are not permanent. So we're in seasons. Perilous times gives birth to seasons. So although perilous moment may create a challenge for you, it's only a season. So say this. It's only temporary. I'm permanent. The Word is permanent. My God is permanent. Goodness and mercy is permanent. The life of God is permanent. The Spirit of the living God in me is permanent. My financial condition right now is seasonal. I'm only going to go up and out and better because my God is a great God and because He's blessed me. The word times also means moments. There are going to be segments of moments of your life that lead you from one place to another place to another place. Also, it means temporary segments. Temporary segments. So you're going to have moments of where he prays. And then all of a sudden, stop. I don't know, okay, should I go on? And I can't go any further. I feel so way down. Stop right there. But whatever you do, don't go back. Don't fall down. Don't quit. Don't complain. Don't open your mouth and murmur. Don't shoot your mouth off about somebody else. So look what they're doing. They keep going. And don't get discouraged because somebody comes and gives you, look what God did for me. Don't get discouraged over that. Oh, man, I was praying and God blessed me with this. Don't get discouraged. You may not be able to get Listen, if you'll just hold tight, hold on. God knows what you have need of before you ask. I'm telling you, He loves you just like He loves anybody else. And can I help you here? You ought to be able to say this with big boldness. I am God's favorite. Oh, yeah. You ought to be able to say, thank you, Father. I'm your favorite. I know you love everybody, but I'm your favorite. And every born again, blood washed, saved by the righteousness of Almighty God and made the righteousness of God, made wisdom, sanctification, redemption, ought to be able to say, I am God's favorite. Isn't that good news? Now listen to this. My spirit never sleeps. Only my body sleeps. So though challenges are coming, 
you're, you have to know this. Your body has to go to sleep. It gets tired, but your spirit man is always alert. While your body is sleeping, your spirit is solving problems. If you'll listen to it. That's why what you do the last before you go to sleep and what you do first when you get up is a tremendous revelation of how much you believe the Word of God. Amen. Now this morning I got up and I, had, I, had, I listened to a little bit of, of teaching by Brother Copeland. I listened to some teaching by Kenneth Hagin, Lester Sumrall, a little bit of John Osteen this morning as I got up. Oh man, it fed my spirit, man. Prayed and I read my Bible and did all that before I launched out for the day today. I put into my spiritual bank account a great deposit so that when I walked out these doors, I would not be withdraw. I wouldn't have any kind of, of, of deficiency in the bank account, spiritually speaking, of my faith. So when I walked out, I was walked out full of faith. I was energized, man, praying in tongues, worshiping God. Amen. Not to, I'm just not talking about going to church. I'm talking about every day doing this over and over again. Your, my spirit is inhabited by God, and His life never sleeps. Jesus knew that prayer generates results. That's why Jesus is the answer. When you and I pray, we're generating results. What do you need from God? Pray and say. There's a time to say, there's a time to pray. So when you, pre when you pray, you're generating your faith and you're operating it in Jesus' name. Now Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verse 44, talks about how Jesus prayed. Now he was about ready to go to the cross and he needed to get energized. He needed to talk to his father about this. And I want you to notice this. He instructed his disciples, listen close, would you pray with me? But what he didn't ask him for was for advice. He didn't take these three men aside and say, look, I, I wanted to get away from the other nine. I just have a talk with you for just a moment. Um, what do you think I should do? I'm going through it. I'm going to go to the cross. What do you think about it? He did not ask them for advice. They were not qualified to advise him on the fact that he was about ready to take on the sins of this world. Never discuss a challenge, an opposition, a moment of decision making that is so major for your life with individuals that are unqualified to advise you or, or answer you. Most people talk to anybody about anything. Listen, if you're talking to people who have to take all kinds of medication and they've... Uh, listen, let me help you here. Uh, let me rephrase that. If you're married and your marriage is going through a little rockiness, don't talk to somebody who's been married and divorced six times. Find somebody who's stuck with it and married, uh, I mean, many years and stuck with it, and they're happy. And I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they haven't any challenges. But why do you want to talk to somebody who's walked away and then has been married five or six times? You, you don't want to do that. Find somebody who knows what they're talking about. Find somebody who has stayed steadfast with the same individual and not tolerated each other, but loved each other into the covenant relationship that they've created. Isn't that powerful? And this is so important. He left them, his disciples, that they were sleeping, went away, Matthew 26, 44 says, went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So he walked away and he talked to God and he said the same words. But notice he didn't say the same words to them. He said the same word to the Father. Pray over every decision because every decision creates a turning point for your life. Pray over every decision because every decision creates a turning point for your life. You ought to write that down right there. And as I oftentimes say, t-shirt material. 
Pray over every decision because every decision creates a turning point in your life. So instead of going to natural people, instead of trying to figure out whether you can or shouldn't, find out what the will of God is. Go. Remember, He has plans for you. Man, so many times people pray that. They, they say that with a smile. Hey, God knows the plans He has for me. I know He does. And their plans never to harm me, but to do me good. And then when they run, they go, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, what happened to the plans? God didn't throw the rip them up and hide them somewhere and burn them up because he got frustrated with it. The plan still exists. In the middle of perilous moments, the plan still works. God's plan still works. Now, if you created your own plan, then that's why you're struggling. That's why you're moving. That's listen. I have in the middle of this what you call lockdown and the coronavirus and all the kind of stuff. I appreciate so much what how God is leading other people, meaning pastoral uh, giftings. Pastors are doing this and they're going different places and they're and some of them are still closed, some of them are open, some have different strategies to do different things. And you know what? If if you don't have a God plan, then you think, well, I guess I'll do that. And then I guess I'll do that. If this would I guess I won't do that. But when you hear from God, you're at peace. And you just do what God tells you to do. That's why, look at me, I'm a happy man. Because I, I appreciate so much what God's telling somebody else. But I don't have to submit to what God's telling them. God's got a plan. And he spoke to me from the very beginning. I know I've got a plan for you. And when I read that verse, I acknowledged it. I received it. I said, Father, I thank you. Your plan works. All I got to do is stick to what you told me to do. You must know. This is close to this statement. This will help you. Write this. You must know that things happen when you pray. And that, that, listen to this, that would not have happened had you not prayed. There are things that you will abort in your life if you don't pray. In the middle of perilous times, pressure will come so severe that it will take you. I can't pray. You don't understand what I'm going through. I cannot pray. I, I want to pray, but man, I just can't find. I want to pray in tongues. I, when I pray, pray the Spirit of God and I start praying in tongues, I don't feel anything. Who said anything about feelings? Who said anything? Listen, I'm saved. And, you know, over the years, let me, over the years I've been pastoring the church, and I've had people come to the altar, and then they start telling me what they're going through, and they have no clue what I'm going through. Sometimes I feel like stopping them. and just I don't. I just look at them and I go, if you knew what I was going through based on what you're going through, I would turn around, get in line, have you lay hands on me if that's all you got. Because there are times I feel like saying, man, I'm through. I'm quit. I, this is it. But I never say it, and I never do it. You know why? I will not allow the overwhelming situation to overwhelm me. I won't let it get so much that I get flooded with grief that I start talking it. I'm not going to lie at home, take some kind of medication, and lay down and say, please, God, meditate me. Get a doctor to medicate me. Let me just say, I'm so bothered. I'm so bothered. I'm so bothered. No, no, you can't do that. So if you don't pray, there are things that God wants to make happen that won't happen if you don't pray. Prayer is the proof or affirmation that you honor, reverence, trust God. It's the proof of it. You have to have proof in your life that you're in the middle of perilous times. When you quit prayer, you've given in to perilous moments. When you quit praying, you're saying the perilous moment has overcome. The perilous moment is greater than me. The perilous moment is so overwhelming. I don't know what I'm going to do. Listen, listen to me. We all have those moments where we can quit and give in to it. All of us do. All of us do. Prayer is the verbalization 
of the revelation that you're expecting from God. You need to verbalize what it is you want from God. If you're not saying it, you'll never pray it. If you're not praying it, you'll never say it. And if you're not, you're not expecting it. You've got to expect something from God. So what's your expectation? In the middle of perilous times, what are you expecting? Listen, they're blaming everything on COVID-19. They're, they're blaming everything. Right? I mean, even as we speak right now, you see signs everywhere. Because of COVID-19, we don't have enough change going around. Uh, not enough pennies, dimes, nickels, and quarters. Uh, and not enough change to go around. So give exact or cards. I'm not going to get into the end time situation on this. But can you imagine this about COVID? They're blaming it on that. Uh, they're, they're saying, I heard the other day, they said the COVID virus now lives in the sewer. Who went to the sewer to check it? Why go to the sewer and check it? And who's playing in the sewer here in the United States? They would get it. Who? How would they know? Why would they do this? Fear is the base of that. It's in the sewer. It's in the water. It's in the chickens. It's in the cows. It, it, it's, it's in the air. You can't sing. It'll spread it. Even in your house. Don't have a Bible study in your house. Having a Bible study in your house spreads COVID. It spreads COVID. It spread, and, pre, and ministers and, and people, Christians are bowing to it. Oh, no, i got to wear a mask even in my own house. Do you realize they even came up with the thing and said, they're trying to say that even having intimate relationship with your, between spouses, husband and wife, having sex, is, could spread COVID? Wear a mask, they said, when you were intimate with your spouse. Wear a mask. Are you kidding me? Wear a mask. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? Where are they coming up with this? Where, how are these people getting this stuff? It is nothing more than fear. That's all it is. And we don't fear. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Birth out of hell to stop us from doing everything we're supposed to do. Remember, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And your prayers avail much. And your prayers cause you to defeat and lose in perilous times. And uh, one last thing. Let me give you this verse of scripture in James 5. 16, just a portion of it. In perilous times, you've got to know how powerful your prayer is. Listen to this. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Are you the righteous God? I know I am. Righteous man, it avails much. In the Amplified, it says, has great power in its working. So you have great power right now to override all the perilous moments. May I remind you that in this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome this world. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.